Welcome to Uncharted Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. If you're like me and you've ever sat back and wondered, how did I get here, whether literally or figuratively in terms of your career or life in general, then you're in good company and have come to the right place. On Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women about their straight, na- straight and narrow, zigzaggy, or somewhere in between paths to success. Today's guest is the founder and chief good troublemaker at Backbone Digital Leaders, an agency conceived by unbought and unbossed black women, which I have to say is one of the best titles and taglines I have ever heard. Um, Her expertise in digital marketing and organizing comes from her leadership on several presidential and down ballot campaigns, as well as in industries from tech to state and local government. A digital trainer and coach with the National Democratic Training Committee and a mentor to many Uh, mentor to many, her activism has always empowered underestimated leaders to claim their seat at the table, which again is just such a powerful statement. She believes that time is now, there should be justice for all, love is radical because action fueled by love conquers all, and that the future belongs to those who speak up and fight for it. Here, here, I could not agree with you anymore. I cannot wait for this conversation any longer. Welcome Jess Moore Matthews. Thank you so much for having me, Kathy. Oh, thank you for being here. Um, I know you're super busy. Um, I was so excited preparing for this interview. I, I, you know, I, my guests know, or my audience knows I, I follow kind of a script, um, first four questions for sure. But then, you know, it's a little more fluid after that. And I could have planned for a two hour conversation with you. I had so many questions, but I will keep to the script for continuity. Um, I gave our audience really the highlight reel um, of of who you are. Can you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. I'll give you the the full story. I my work in digital marketing started uh, almost twenty years ago, if you can believe it or not. I was in high school and I was the student body president, and my state uh, my state's lieutenant governor of North Carolina stopped by my high school and said, "Hey, I'm launching this campaign against tobacco. I need someone to introduce me at a rally for the students later today." So, as student body president, I volunteered, was given a script. And it went so well that the lieutenant governor actually asked me to come on a campaign with her uh, to rally students across the state to pledge against tobacco. And this involved them going online and signing an online pledge. So we used Facebook, MySpace, Zanga, all of the throwback social networks to reach students and get them to sign up. And we had so much fun doing it. I actually ended up being in a commercial that year. That was in 2008, um, all across the state, encouraging folks not to smoke tobacco. It's funny. I actually worked at the grocery store. Folks would come up to me like, how'd you quit smoking? And I'm like, I don't smoke. You shouldn't either. You know, (laughs) I started college the next year. I knew this kind of cause-driven, mission-driven, digital marketing thing that I had stumbled into was absolutely a niche that I could see myself in. So I went on to become my university's first social media manager, launching their Facebook and Twitter accounts. President Obama actually came to my university in 2011, Hampton University, to speak to uh, the seniors there for graduation. And I got to tweet a live tweet alongside the stage with him. And which was funny, I had just been door knocking for him, you know, two years earlier during that historic election. And then when I graduated from Hampton, I went on, I was a Google intern, I went to NYU and really found myself back where I started when I started working at the mayor's office of New York City, um, actually as his wife's chief content officer, and then was promoted to actually be his chief content officer um, about two years later. So I like to say my life changed when he decided to run for president. And 
he took five of us with him as his top staff. And I immediately was just like, this is where I belong. This fast paced, heavy spotlight, you know, presidential election in the background, I should say, but really making sure that his website, his social media, his email marketing, his text messages were going out like clockwork. Uh, When he dropped out of the race, I joined Elizabeth Warren in Texas, uh, mobilizing voters there. And then I started Backbone later that year. So uh, the pandemic started. There were organizations all across the country who were trying to figure out how to move their operations online. I started volunteering to help friends who were doing that. I had a friend who was running for school board in New Orleans. Uh, My husband had a friend who was running for mayor in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I'd say the big break happened when someone at Michelle Obama's When We All Vote heard about some of the work we were doing and brought us on ahead of that 2020 election. So Backbone, as you mentioned, is um, it's been in existence since that moment. We are now nine people deep, Black women, non-binary, trans folks who are all on a mission to spearhead a revolution at the ballot box and beyond. And we've been doing that ever since. So, Yeah, I, you know, one of the things that I've been really, really interested in over the last few years and, and done a lot of, of reading, little bit of writing on is, and, and helping organizations too, is, is a little bit on the diversity. And when I was looking at Backbone and the website and your team, and I'm like, kudos to you. Like, that's fantastic. One of the, one of the arguments you'll hear, and it's, it's really not an argument, it's, it's okay, you haven't tried, is, oh, well, you know, we just, there, there's just not the right person out there to to be able to to cast across and I'm like you're so full of crap um if a small organization like yours with nine yep. ten people yep can cover literally the gambit then there's absolutely zero reason why larger organizations can't so I gotta say shout mm-hmm. out 100 to you for because it's not easy right It's not. It's not. And I think one of the things that I thought about when I started Backbone is how can we uplift the communities that we're trying to reach by giving them a seat at the table? You know, today is actually the 51st anniversary of um, the day that Shirley Chisholm announced she was running for president of the United States. This was in 1972. And it's interesting, you know, when she decided to run for president, she opened the door for so many people were not, you know, white cisgender men to to run for office. She opened the door for folks like Barack Obama, for Kamala Harris. And I think for me, that representation meant so much. And so when I'm thinking about, you know, who are the folks closest to the challenges that we're trying to solve, right? I think of folks who are disabled, folks who are non-binary, folks who are transgender, folks who are, you know, people of color, how can I bring them into the room and give them a seat at the head of the table so that we can advise candidates and organizations about the sort of change that we want to see in our communities. So it's been really revolutionary, honestly, just working with such brilliant folks across the country. I, I can only imagine um, the energy that that must generate um, every day. So, okay, we're going to talk more about that, but first we got to get to the four core questions. So let's get into that if you are ready. I mean, I can't imagine you in another career, but what was the first career you remember wanting to do when you grew up? Oh, this one's easy for me. I was, and still am, addicted to books. Um, From an early age, I was a big fan of Jenny B. Jones, The Babysitter's Club, the boxcar children, all of it. And I actually wrote a letter to Ann M. Martin 
the author of the Babysitter's Club when I was in like second grade, third grade, maybe she wrote me back <laughs> and was like, you know, you can do it. So it's still a dream of mine to become a children's book author. Um, but that was absolutely um, the first career I remember wanting. Who was the big, first big influence on your life that you remember? You know, I always have to shout out my mom and I know a, a lot of folks, you know, nod to their parents, but she's the first in our family to uh, not just go to college, but she went all the way through and got a PhD. She's now a psychologist. And I got to sit in the front row for that journey for her um, when she decided to go back to school. And I got to see her all the way through, you know, writing her dissertation, starting her own practice. And it had a huge impact on who I am and me deciding to start my own business. So definitely have to shout out my mom, Dr. Tammy Moore. That must have been I mean, so she was doing grad school when you were, when you were growing up. All the way up. through middle school, actually. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, I, I can't, I well, can't and with imagine. Two other, with three other kids. So. so with three well. siblings. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? Your mom is a rock star. Yeah. <laughs> definite shout out to Dr. Tammy Moore. That's Absolutely. amazing. We need to have her on the show. So you need yes. to make an introduction. I would love that. Absolutely. I will. <laughs> that would be fantastic. All right. So. What song epitomizes your career path or maybe one that you're associating with right now? I have been addicted to Robert Glasper, jazz musician, over the last two years. I think uh, he's really helped me get through this pandemic. And there's a song that he did um, with the artist Her called Better Than I Imagined. And it's interesting when I think about my career, it's so much better than I imagined. So many things that I'm doing now didn't exist when I was a kid. When I think about digital marketing, social media, um, you know, even just working as closely as I do to political candidates, it's just, I couldn't have imagined this. So I'm so glad that um, my journey has kind of led me down this kind of circuitous path uh, that's been really seren serendipitous, to be honest. Well, you know what? It's one thing to be in the right place at the right time, but you got to have the chops to deliver on each of those opportunities, which clearly you've done because you've continued to get the opportunity. So you can give a little credit to luck and, and good timing, but take the credit for the earning you. that you deserve. Um, what are three words you'd use to describe your career? Uh, okay. I had these words and now I'm, I'm blanking. So I'm going to, you're just going to get what's the top of mind for me. So my three words to, um, to describe my, my career and myself, I would say mission-driven. <laughs> I know that's a hyphenated word, but every single thing we do is about that mission that you talked about at the, at the start of the podcast. We're spearheading a revolution at the ballot box and beyond. And sometimes that can be incremental, right? But mission-driven is always rooted in every single thing that I do, both in my personal life and in my business. Um, I would say... The next would be honesty. I'm on a mission, and everyone in my life knows this because I talk about it often. I'm on a mission to figure out how we can be both honest and kind at all times. <laughs> I think there's a way to do it. I think there's a way to tell the truth and speak truth to power and not hurt folks' feelings, you know, unnecessarily. There's it's a it's a tone of voice, it's the way you phrase things. I'm on a mission to to strike that balance. And then I'd say the final thing would be. Uh, faith. You know, I I think that every single thing that I do is absolutely rooted in, you know, higher power, my ancestors, and just feeling like they paved the way um, and gave me the tools that I need to succeed and trusting in that, resting in that, and understanding that um, the way forward 
is already figured out. I just have to kind of, like you said, stay ready and, and walk that journey. So I love the, the honesty. It's, it's something that I think women in particular struggle with. Men take words differently and we, whether we're considered emotional or not, you know, it's, it's always something that settles there. And we, we reflect, I think much harder on, on the words we choose and the way we say things and the, the things we choose not to say for fear of hurting others or it coming across the wrong way when often it still needs to be said. So that's, I, I, that's a really powerful thing. I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many things that, that need to be said, even if they don't necessarily feel good. Um, but I think it's worth taking that extra beat to figure out how to say it. You know, it, sometimes it may take a couple of days. Sometimes it may take a couple of seconds, but yep. it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, I mean, you talked about your career journey from that pivotal moment when the senator, you know, you, I mean, clearly you were destined for success, student body president, you know, you don't get there by luck. That's a <laughs> lot of hard work and good grades and, and quite honestly, people liking you. Um, so that's a, that's a tough blend to, to come across. And I mean, it seems a, a very natural fluid flow, but what's, what's your career been like for you? Like where have, how is it, how has it taken you down a path, um, you know, from, from writer? So clearly you, you have a love of words yes. um, and what they mean and, and whatnot. And being able to tie that in, I've, I've got to think there's been times where you've maybe thought, well, you know, maybe I want to do something else. Maybe I want to take everything I know and I'm really good at and go make a shit ton of money at a big corporation. Because you know what? Starting up a business, you might get there, but it takes a really long time sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting for me. Life is short, you know, and I have this uh, conversation with my dad often because as he nears retirement age, he's very much like, you know, you want to try and do as much as you can for as long as you can. And I'm kind of like, yeah, but you also want to enjoy what you're doing. You want to feel like you, you know, are getting up and are, you know, following your life's purpose, you know, so to speak. And I think for me, it goes back to that moment in 2008, I was a, a freshman in college and, you know, I just come off of that huge statewide tobacco campaign. Right. And we had this, person with a funny name, you know, <laughs> running for president and there was no way that he would could win, but having gone to a historically black college, we were of course like all trying to like do what we could to contribute and I remember going out and knocking on doors, you know, hanging up these election day reminders the night before the election with my classmates. It was the first election in which we'd be able to vote. And I remember thinking, like, what is the point of this? Like, <laughs> we're talking to mostly conservative voters. We're coming from a historically black school. There's no way that this guy with this foreign name is going to be elected. And that next night, we were sitting in our dorm watching the election election coverage. And, you know, it's that moment where everyone's laughing and, you know, not really paying attention to the TV. But then states start turning blue and all of a sudden there's only one state left and it's your state, it's Virginia. <laughs> and all of a sudden the room is quiet and you're looking at the TV and as they're zooming into Virginia, you know, a hush 
hush crosses the room, they zoom in further. They're zooming into Tidewater, the region where our school was. And Kathy, they zoomed in so far that we could actually see the streets <laughs> where we were had like been door knocking the night before. And so when they called the election right after that, like they called Virginia for President Obama and they then called the election completely. I mean, my mind was blown at 18 years old <laughs> as yeah. to what political organizing could do, what it what was what we were capable of as new voters, as citizens, as organizers. And, you know, my school is known to be historically pretty conservative. And so we all were supposed to be in our dorms for curfew that night. It was like, you know, past 9 p.m. And I remember our dorm director was like, go ahead. And she threw the door open and we all got to run, run out screaming, just like, ah, you know, just the joy on everyone's face. But it had so much to do with the fact that we contributed to that, not just by voting for the first time, but actually like, you know, organizing and talking to neighbors. And that really was a pivotal moment, I think, in my life. I think it's what brought me back to politics years later. I was in corporate for a little bit and um, it just was not the same. It wasn't the same kind of soul nourishing, purpose-driven work that I think I, I needed to thrive. So I was think it soul that. nourishing? Oh, if we could all fill our day with things that are soul nourishing. I'm on um, a mission to do that. Okay. I am like, especially in 2023, I am, I'm here for that. <laughs> So, you know, you answered my question about, um, I would say, say, you know, the significant impact, that trajectory of your career, you know, you, that I, I can't imagine, not only are you mobilizing and advocating and encouraging, and sometimes it's just that, oh, geez, if this 18 year old girl is telling me I should do something, then crap, I better get my button gear and go do it. Yep. So, you know, and, and that, the, that was your first voting experience. Like that's, that's monumental. Yeah. You know, your current role. So you talked about, you did a little bit of corporate, you've done the social clearly been in it, on it, around it, above it. <laughs> I'd say you're pretty solid on that front. Yep. <laughs> um, but what's your current role like? Because often, you know, as a business uh, leader and someone who started a business, and although you're a good troublemaker, um, you know, <laughs> there are things to be done. What's it like? Are you still able to to fill that that you know boots on the ground, door knocking, face to face fulfillment, nourishing that you get, or are you getting more bogged down with the operations and the HR and the legal and the finance and and those kind of things? Oh, such a good question. I, it's both. You know, we're so small that I am actually really proud to be able to say that every single thing that my team is doing, it feels really empowering to be able to like come behind them and, and give them some tips or some advice or, you know, help them to optimize something, you know, whether it's an ad campaign or a text banking script, I've dabbled in so much of this work um, that, you know, as my friend says, says, um, you know, always know enough to be dangerous. Right. <laughs> and I know enough about digital to be dangerous, but also to be that coach who, you know, everyone remembers there's the coach who tells you to run laps and just watches you do it. And then there's the coach who's like running with you. <laughs> and so I, I feel like I'm still the coach that that's running with my team um, in many ways, you know, but at the same time, a huge piece of running a business for me, I, I'd say the most soul nourishing aspect of it has been figuring out how to take care of my team. Um, I am huge. I'm probably more excited about 
culture building and, um, you know, educational leadership, um, probably than I am about digital organizing in general. I think that is digital organizing at, at the core, you know, making sure that the folks you are talking to feel heard, feel cared for, feel loved, feel supported. And so, you know, last year, my biggest goal, my only goal for the year was to be able to offer my team benefits, you know, and um, give them health insurance, which I was just like, how in the world are we surviving through a pandemic and folks don't have health insurance, right? And so Mm -hmm. when we were able to get towards the fall, closer to the fall, we were able to make that happen and um, offer all of our employees opportunity to transition to W-2 salaried employment with, you know, health benefits for themselves, for their family members, um, you know, mental health support, uh, you name it, you know, paid time off. And so that's, that's a huge source of pride for me. And I'd say that even though there was a lot of um, operations and kind of, you know, bureaucracy and figuring a lot of that out, the result was so worth it, you know. I love when my my team tells me that they like went to the doctor. I'm just like, I don't say anything, but I'm just like, oh, good. You know, just imagine them showing that insurance card with our name on it. It's nice. It's a nice feeling. (laughs) Absolutely. And that that's that's a not only is it a huge accomplishment, but it's a it's a bit of a shift from the trend that is happening within the entrepreneurial and and startup world where people are coming on as, you know, as 1099s or they're, they're coming on with like really low salaries and taking percentages with the hopes that one day it'll, you know, it'll be the next, you know, Facebook or Google or whatever. Um, and to make that kind of, cause that's a huge investment in your, in your team. That's, that's not just about your company. I mean, from a company perspective, I'm sure you had lawyers and advisors going, no, 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 don't, don't yep. do that because it's expensive and, you know, it's complicated and whatever, but that, it, you know, that's big, that's permanent. That's a, we're in this for the long haul, which is so uplifting and so reassuring. Yeah, absolutely. We all deserve that. You know what I mean? I, I just, I did have other founders, right? Other business um owners reach out to me like, uh, maybe don't do it. Like, I love that you're, someone told me, oh, it's perfect that your business is all contractors. Cause it's just easier to let folks go. You know, <laughs> <Just like, laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. I think what we're trying to do at Backbone is build a business model that none of us have seen before. I actually have no example of what we're trying to build. I, I have pieces of, of things that I've seen that I've enjoyed. I think about the mentorship that I received from the first lady of New York city, you know, she's this incredible poet writer, you know, mental health advocate who, you know, used to run in the same circles as, as Audre Lorde and the Kambahi collective. And, you know, I think about the way she mentored and, and took care of me, right. When I was working for her, I think about Elizabeth Warren's campaign and um, the ways in which they centered, you know, uh, disability justice, but also taking care of employees. And, you know, I take something from every place that I've been, but I'll be honest, (laughs) the majority of what I'm taking is what I don't want to do. You know, those organizations that I've worked with, I'm like, all right, not going to do that. Not going to do this either. Right. And so I'm asking everyone at Backbone to help us co-create a space that looks completely different from anything we've seen, um, something that is based in our values, something that's based in our mission, and something that hopefully can be a model for other businesses one day. What is the vision? And, 
you know, it's, it's so insightful of you to, to know that it's as important to know what you don't want to do or don't like, or don't want to be than it is to know where you're heading. Sometimes it's more important because you're able to cross those things off and avoid them. And it's a, it's a conscious decision. And I've, I've, I've said that you, if you listen to any of the other podcasts, you'll hear it come up of I've mm-hmm. said, and, and with, whether it's a business strategy, whether it's a life plan, my kids, you know, they're, they're in university and my daughter is very set. She has a path always has, you know, there, and, and it's the right one for her. It's good. Yeah. Our son just started, he's in first year and the world literally is at his feet and he's, yep. you know, he's thinking law maybe. And, but I'm like, okay, well, it's okay not to know, but right. think about the things you don't like to do. Like yep. what's going to make you just like go Ugh, every day if that's how you have to spend your day. Exactly. Start there. Because exactly. it's really easy to identify the things you hate. Sometimes it's a little more difficult to find the things that you love, especially when you don't know them yet. Yep, absolutely. You're actually reminding me of my that same freshman year. You know, I changed my major three times. I started <laughs> from what? Major. What were the three? I started as an English major. My dad said, "Unless you're going to law school, you need to change your major." I was like, "Well, I don't want to go to law school." So, <laughs> I changed my major to print journalism. Um, I very quickly was told that print was dying, which I to this day feel some type of way about because I am a huge uh, lover of print to this day. Um, I switched from print journalism to broadcast journalism. And I'm actually, as I'm telling the story, realizing I changed my major four times. So hold on. (laughs) As we went to broadcast journalism, I went home that Christmas holiday and actually had the opportunity to shadow a morning news anchor in my hometown. I had to meet her at the studio at 3 (laughs) a.m. and follow her around as she kind of like got ready for that morning newscast. And she's telling me that she's lived in you know, seven different cities in the course of 10 years that she wouldn't have been able to survive without her husband's job and that they've had two kids, but it's been difficult because they've had to move so much. And as she's telling me this, I'm realizing I am not that passionate about broadcast journalism <laughs> to want to do this. You know? But I remember we had lunch together. That was the end of the day. And she was like, I hope you got what you needed from this. And I'm like, yeah, I did. And I went back to school that next week and changed my major to public relations. <laughs> And it just wasn't for me. So public relations is where I stayed. And that's where I kind of really dug my heels in on the social media front and digital marketing. And, but no, I mean, that first semester was critical for me in terms of figuring out and nailing down what direction I kind of wanted to go in. So kudos to your son. He'll, he'll figure it out. (laughs) I I have no doubt that he will, and he'll, he'll excel at whatever he decides at. Um, But it it is, it is interesting. And I love that you did that all within the first semester. I changed, I changed my major uh, three times over the course of four years, but you, I mean, you win the prize four and (laughs) it's funny. I probably should have done what a lot of my friends and just not claimed or declared anything, but I'm like, no, let's see. And I, I really wanted to like, stick my toe in the water for each one and just see kind of how it felt. And um, I still think that the English majors at my university are some of those brilliant people I've ever met, but you know, I'm, I'm happy with where I ended up and it definitely shaped uh, what I did next. So. Well, I think you found the right spot and, and public relations, not many people understand what it is. I actually have a graduate degree in public mm-hmm. relations and the funny thing is, is I, I, I did that and then got into it and decided I hated it. Yeah. 
I love the, so I, I, I had a communicate, I came out of school with a communications degree and love communications. I loved like the internal comms. I'm very, even though most of our work that I do now is, is externally focused. So we help marketers and companies with content strategies and operations and things like that. But I, I since we've become this world of experience and, and audience centric, I'm yep. like, don't forget about your employees. Your employees are your number one audience. They're your number one marketers. They're your number one advocates. If you have Absolutely. happy employees, you are more successful, you are more productive, you are more innovative, et cetera, et cetera. But I did PR at IBM um, for a couple of months. And I got to tell you, the most stressful yeah. and, <laughs> and hair-raising and agita-inducing three months of my life when my co coworker came back to work, I'm like, take it back. Just yes. take it all. Back. <laughs> she was brilliant at it. She was, she, oh, yeah. next to her, and she was like, she found her niece. She was yeah. absolutely amazing at it. But yeah, I was not. <laughs> yeah, no, I loved the, I love the communications aspect of it. I love what it means as it relates to like supporting candidates and positioning them. But I definitely had to find a deeper niche as well. And I still, to this day, cringe a little bit when someone asks me to write a press release. I'm like, I know how to do it, but really, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was technically strong, but I, my heart was not in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if you weren't in the, what I'll call advocacy, future shaping space, what would yep. you be doing? What would I be doing? You know, it's Sitting funny. Be writing? <laughs> yeah, writing for sure. Absolutely. I'd be probably on my third or fourth book by now. Um, I, my husband and I went axe throwing over the holiday break and um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. He's from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we went to this random town right outside of Tulsa. And the man who checked us in said, we asked him how he got into axe, axe throwing because he was really good at it. And he said, you know, I worked in corporate for about 20 years. And one day I was just like, I need more purpose in my life. And he said, he started walking down the street, walked into an ax throwing shop and the rest is history. <laughs> you know, he quit his job. And as he was talking, I'm like, this sounds like a Hallmark movie or something that's like, cause he's just living this kind of quiet life in a small town, throwing axes and helping other people do the same. I don't know. I feel like I would do something random like that. I would be writing books, but I'd probably like own a flower shop or, you know, Oh, you know, I've always wanted to be a librarian as well. I'd probably, be doing something just quiet helping people find like resources and books and you know I'd love to be a professor that's one of my my dreams and my goals I'm actually teaching right now with the National Democratic Training Committee so I'm I'd like to think I'm on my way but um yeah I I fully believe that I can do all of these things in my lifetime I'm I'm like changing my major four times I'm like let's see what happens <laughs> Well, and, and that is one of the things, um, being a few years older than you are, um, is I think the generations that have come up behind, to, behind my generation is that you've been given permission to do that. You've been, yep. it, it's, it's okay. Whereas I think our gener my generation was caught in the, you know, the people who preceded us, everyone who preceded us, is you get it, you get a good job and you stay there for life, right? And you get the pension and-, and My dad, yes. <laughs> and then we went through this transitory time where, you know, I got out of school and, you know, email and technology and internet and stuff were just really, I mean, they'd been around for a bit, but really taking off and social was yet to, to be a thing. 
and it was still kind of, I remember telling my mom that I was leaving IBM and she was like, what are you doing? This is the yep. worst decision you have ever made. Cause I was leaving for a small agency startup. Oh She's yeah. Like, You're not, what are you doing? She was actually angry with me cause yep. it, you know, she wanted it and it came from a good place cause she wanted me to be safe and secure and whatnot. But now to be able to, I mean, everything you've accomplished in the short time you've been on this earth, I have no doubt that you will own an axe throwing and slash flower shop slash (laughs) writing while teaching at NYU or, or whatever you set your mind to. It's, um, it's truly inspiring our conversation. You know, you've already given me so much to think about for our listeners, particularly the women in our audience, what would be your best piece of advice when it comes to, you know, life, career, success, happiness, whatever you'd like to share? Yeah. You know, I think, I saw a a picture um, the other day. I've been limiting my social media use, which is funny because I I run a digital marketing company. Um, but I I log on during the day to support my partners. We call our clients partners. Um, and every now and then I'll take a look at my own pages just to see what's going on. But I actually have not been um, keeping my social on my phone because I've just felt this desire to just really be in my body, in my life, you know, in my kids. Um, faces. They're growing so quickly. My I, my son is four, my daughter is two. And I saw this picture on Facebook yesterday that um, a friend posted and her daughter, who's also two, was playing on her, her husband's stomach. And she said, random picture, loving this moment because the little moments are actually the big moments. And that really resonated for me as um, advice that I would give someone. Um, appreciate the little moments, those little moments. It's not, a, it's just about the destination. It's about that the journey on the way there and just really breathing in these moments that we just cannot get back with each other, with ourselves. You know, there are folks who talk about how they look back 10 years and they realize they were trying so hard to lose weight, but they actually looked great. <laughs> you know? Like, how did I, why didn't I realize that in the moment, you know? And so yeah. just trying to be more in the moment, realizing that the little moments are the big moments. Little moments are the big moments. There's uh, there's the title of your autobiography. There we go. There we go. I love it. <laughs> so where can our audience find you? Where where are you out and about? Yes. So first I want them to look up Backbone. So backbonedigital.org. You can follow all of our social channels. We are Backbone Leaders on everything, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, and then you can find me at Jess M. Matthews on Twitter. Uh, and also find me on LinkedIn. I love what one of your previous guests said, you know, reach out to me and tell me that you heard me on the Uncharted Journeys podcast. I would love that. And and let's connect. Well, Jess, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for making time to connect with me uh, today and to share your story with our audience. Truly inspiring. Four and two, just enjoy. It turns into 21 and 19 really, really quick. Yeah. <laughs> really <laughs> quick. and to my audience thanks for listening to uncharted journeys with me your host kathy mcknight i hope you enjoyed my conversation with jess and hearing about how focusing on others success and applying activism can really empower underestimated leaders help people claim seats at the table at the head of the table not just at the table but the head of the Mm -hmm. table and that you can realize your own success and film fulfillment by helping others If you're keen to hear more amazing stories from other amazing women, you can head over to unchartedjourneys.net and listen to some of the other episodes. You can also sign up for our email list as well as check out links and resources in the show notes. Thank you again for listening. See you next time. And until then, enjoy the journey.
past it. I've been thinking about magic, happen, action, baby. We never lasted. Magic, madness, maybe you was just gassing. But it was better than I imagined. Drastic acting to you, it was just practice. Sadness, masking, hated you with a passion. Had it granted, baby, I didn't cap it. Cause it was better than I imagined. Long 